This podcast is sponsored by Police Bank. Police Bank is run by members for its members. That means it'll do more than any other bank to support you and those you care about. As there are no external shareholders, profits are returned to members in the form of competitive interest rates, products and services, along with many of the additional discounts and benefits. What's more, if you're on the New South Wales Police Force payroll, we'll even send you your pay a day earlier than scheduled, one of the many reasons to bank with Police Bank. Welcome to Inside the New South Wales Police Force. Real cops, real stories. I'm your host, Adam Shand. Later, we'll take a ride with the New South Wales Police Transport Command as they target sex offenders on the transport network. But first, let's do a bit of history. Shortly before 6pm on the 26th of January 1865, Australia Day, the bushrangers Ben Hall, John Dunn and John Gilbert attacked Kimberley's Hotel in Collector, a small village between Goulburn and the Australian Capital Territory. The rest of the police that day were out searching the area for local bushrangers and the only man on duty was the lock-up keeper, Constable Samuel Nelson. When news of the attack reached the constable, he told his wife that he would simply have to do his best against the gang, and he set off armed only with his police carbine with a bayonet attached. It didn't end well for Constable Nelson. He was murdered by the bushrangers there. But you know what? His great-great-great-grandson and namesake Samuel Nelson is also a policeman. He's an inspector at Mount Druitt, and he joins me now. Hi, Sam. How are you, Adam? Very well, thank you. Now, did you join the police because your great-great-grandfather was shot by the bushranger John Dunn? It certainly formed part of my rationale for being in the New South Wales Police, but wasn't the sole reason. I probably learnt about our family history as I got older, as I'm sure you would appreciate when both mum and dad took us, my sister and I, to Collector when we were about I don't know, eight years old and saw the monument. So it was probably not the uh, the only influence, but it was certainly one of them. It's an amazing story. How much do you know of the story? I, like many other people, rely on the history. And my, uh, my late uncle who passed in 2016 was our family historian of sorts. So it, there were some bits and pieces missing, but I've done my own research. But what you largely just described to the audience is, um, as I understand it to be also, it's funny because like many of these bushrangers, John Dunn, the teenage bushranger, has acquired a bit of glamour over the years, I'd have to say. But the actions of Dunn and Gilbert and Hall were savage and heinous. Uh, Nelson, tell me, what did, what did your great-great-grandfather do when, when confronted by Dunn? Well, as it's been described and reported in history, he simply took hold of uh, what he had in weaponry, not like we're issued today. He, he had a carbine and uh, told his, his wife and, and walked out front and confronted these people and obviously the outcome was fatal. And uh, I would dare say in the absence of eyewitness accounts was um, rapidly and, and very quickly taken down and completely outgunned, it would seem. Well, he was. I mean, Dunn was armed with a shotgun he took aim at your great-great-grandfather and fired, hitting him in the chest and then fired again, hitting him in the face. That's correct. Nelson died almost instantly. Yes. To add insult to injury, the bushrangers stole Nelson's belongings and his carbine and escaped. 
And to make matters worse, the entire incident was witnessed by young Frederick Nelson, one of the constable's nine children. So you can see the impact that would have had on that family that day. It would have been absolutely horrific for all that were in the town at the time and, of course, um, my distant relatives and uh, very, very confronting scenes indeed, particularly at such a young age. Because, yeah, I mentioned that issue about glamour and bushrangers. I think as we go further on, Ned Kelly is is glamorised, Ben Hall, so many names come up. Very few of these policemen who gave their lives to fight these, these bushrangers are really remembered. Yeah, that's probably right. And and sadly, the villains, if you like, or the offenders of the day are more heightened in terms of their profile than those that stood to protect the community like the police do every other day um, all across the globe. So I think you're 100% right. They're glorified. And, and I think over time, um, particularly Kelly and the likes, have uh, gained some sort of following that see him as some sort of a I don't know, a valiant person when in fact he was a criminal and that's that's what they were. Yeah, and Hall, Dunn and Gilbert, they all met with violent deaths. That's right. Hall and Gilbert were shot within a week of each other in later in 1865 and Dunn manages to get into uh, the following year but he ends up out at uh, Canamble and is betrayed and wounded and, and, and brought into custody and finally hangs the following year. And it was a particularly brutal time in history when we look back and, and think about those things. You wouldn't obviously see that today. We've got organised crime elements shooting each other, but very, very different circumstances to what would have occurred back then. Well, that's right, and it's interesting because we talk about outlaw bikies these days and there's laws against them and everyone's going to go after them, but back in the day they had this act called the Felons Apprehension Act, which meant that any bushranger once declared could be shot and killed rather than brought in for trial. Uh, so that's the way that Hall and Gilbert were dispatched. I think it's good, though, that Dunn faced up for his crimes, faced the court, and 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 a sentence meted out to him. Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously a different time and, and different legislation and rules, governments and the like. We, we don't have such things today, but um, certainly it was, I guess, if you could arguably say it was equal. You take a life, you pay with one with your own. But at least there was a jury and a judge. Yes. Proper process in in place for for done. Unlike your relative. Yeah, that's um, that's it. You're, you're correct in what you're saying. That um, he he would have done what he thought and and would have been sworn to do, and that was to protect the people in New South Wales, and he paid for it with the ultimate um, the ultimate price that day. But it, but it really puts a different slant on the phrase. I'm doing my best. I mean, doing my best there in that case was going up against these desperate outlaws heavily armed they had no hesitation in shooting him i mean i think boy i mean I, i'm not sure it had passed the ohs test today i think you'd be calling for backup absolutely and you know part of what i do at my workplace every day is risk assess all different types of activity and and that one would have been a catastrophic risk assessment and uh, would have been a very different um, battle plan if you like in today's policing environment than what it was then Young Frederick Nelson, who was uh, Sam's son, he went on to become a, a successful um, policeman as well. Yeah, there is some there's some family history, albeit very distant, um, where a couple of us did different things. And it's funny because last year uh, during Police Week, this uh, family connection came to the fore 
um, quite quite dominantly in the police force because I do a lot of things for police legacy and one of those things I'm very involved in is the wall-to-wall ride for Remembrance which occurs every September where we ride from the domain in Sydney for past a number of saluting points where police have died and one of the fallen um, officers is in fact Constable Samuel Nelson on our route to Canberra and uh, when it became known that, that we were related, albeit a, a very long distance and time ago, um, it's become quite popular amongst police historians and also my colleagues in the organisation who promote and obviously write scripts and things like that about police history. So it's, it's very humbling to be able to sit and talk to you about this type of thing today. As I say, these fallen police are often forgotten and it, it takes some effort to bring them back to the public consciousness to the point where even old Samuel Nelson's grave had fallen into some dereliction until uh, the former Goulburn LAC commander Gary Warboys decided to uh, restore it. That's exactly right. And, and Mr Warboys, who I have come into contact many times over over my career, is a, is a thorough gentleman and uh, I was aware that he had done that. And in fact... It must have been about 2004 or five. I was invited to do a reenactment ceremony down there, um, but I couldn't attend sadly because I had conflicting work um, appointments at the time. But I know that they did do a, uh, a reenactment of the day that it happened, and, and that was on or around um, you know when they became aware that the grave was a little bit run down, and and obviously there was some time and investment by good people led by Mr. Warboys who brought it back to its um, its former glory. And I have seen it. I only was uh, down there probably two or three years ago and took a photo um, next to that monument and it had certainly been um, TLC'd, uh, for want of a better term. It, it looked fantastic and I must get down there again. Yeah, it's fantastic. Because what does it mean to serving police today who put themselves in harm's way, go over the threshold into danger on a regular basis? What does it mean to know police sacrifice is honoured and valued and remembered? I think it's vitally important. Um, And I say that not only as a serving New South Wales police officer, but also as a member of the community, because these boys and girls and other people that go to work every day and, and try and make a difference do know that we face challenge every single day. And it doesn't matter if you're working in a volatile community or a quiet community, the things can change very, very quickly. So to know that we have community support and they corral around us is is vitally important. And again, I, I said earlier about the wall-to-wall ride for Remembrance, that is the biggest policing-affiliated event on the calendar where we go and we remember the police that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And similarly, I'm involved with a driving event, which is um, known as Beat the Blue, also in support of New South Wales Police Legacy, where we promote safe driving practice and leaving it on the track, not on the street. And and that too goes, all of those funds are donated to Police Legacy for for the families of people serving police uh, members that pay the ultimate price. They have something to, uh, to dip into, if you like, some funding that goes along with the public sadness and the outcry that goes when uh, colleagues lose their lives. With that in mind, you're responsible for the safety, welfare uh, of all the young people in your station, the older people as well. What's it like at Mount Druitt? What are the priorities for you? 
to create a safe workplace and to uh, keep the peace. Yeah, it goes without saying. Mount Druid is um, one of those commands that is uh, a little bit more volatile. We do have a large demographic of uh, different people and different cultures. And um, interestingly, in Mount Druid, we have the highest um, amount of Aboriginal First Nations people that reside in a metropolitan area, which um, also brings another element to itself, given the history of Aboriginal people in this country. But uh, every day I strive to be the best leader I can. And, and you are right in what you say about when I'm at work, I'm in charge of looking after those people and making sure they go home safely to their families and, and loved ones. And uh, it is a message that at day and uh, night shift parade, I always reinforce the safety element because we are in a, in a career that is a little bit heightened in terms of risk. And uh, we need to look out for not only the people that we serve, but also for each other. And that extends to mental health as well. Um, it's not just the physical injuries and the battle scars that we get in our career. It's also the mental strain and torment that goes with it. And we try very hard to get on the front foot when it comes to preventing uh, mental trauma. Because if uh, we're no good to ourselves, we're no good to the people we go home to. And without the support of the people at home, our job can be even worse than what it is any other day. Your great-great-great-grandfather had only his wife to back him up that day to, and, and she, she sent him on his way clear in his duty. These days, I think bravery is still required to work our modern streets. But with bravery is, requ is required support and backup and the understanding that no matter what happens, the force, the bosses, the community is on your side. Yeah, I think you're right, Adam. And sometimes it's not the perfect alignment, like the, the dots are not always joined, but certainly the police executive led by our commissioner, Karen Webb, uh, the deputies that fall below her, and then, of course, the local area commanders and us as um, inspectors, senior management on the local level, we all work together to look after our people and we do work hard to try and build relationships with external, you know, stakeholders, be it people, businesses or organisations to try and give back because obviously we can't keep the community safe 100% of the time without the support of the community and it goes around um, hand in hand, if you like, that we do sometimes need the community to help us to help them. And also there will be moments when you're called upon to go above and beyond the call of duty like your great-great-great-grandfather, Sam Nelson. Is there a bit of Sam in you, do you think, young Sam? Oh, look, I would like to think so. I like that young Sam business, so that's a good thing. Uh, but, but look, I've certainly had my um, fair share of exposure to traumatic incidents. I'm very lucky to have um, a very supportive other half. I've got uh, two beautiful children and I've got two beautiful stepchildren and a fantastic family that taught me the importance of, of caring for each other and, and values and ethics. And, you know, outside of that, I'm also aware of the services that support us when things are not the best. But, yes, I've seen some good and I've, and I've seen some really nasty stuff as well. But, uh, you know, I'd like to um, promote that policing is not all about the negative. When we come and knock on your door, it's not all for a bad reason. Quite often it's very rewarding to tell someone that, hey, Mrs Smith, you know how you've gotten broken into last week. We've recovered all your property. We need to get a statement from you because we've grabbed the offender. That is something that I think a lot of community members don't, understand or appreciate it's like it's like winning a grand final or, or winning a rowing race like you've, you've got the prize um that very 
positive side of policing is is what drives a lot of us to do better and be better people every day we go to work. Fantastic. And thank you for your service and thank you for your family's service. There's a number of police in there. Are there any more young Nelson police people coming through? Well, not yet. My son Jack is 15 and uh, just the other week uh, said to me he would like to consider a policing career. He's into boxing and fitness and he thinks that he can catch crooks. So <laughs> if he uh, if he pursues that line of inquiry as he goes on, he may be the next one. But at the moment, there's no one on the horizon that wants to wear the blue shirt, unfortunately. Oh, we'll see. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity. That's Inspector Samuel Nelson of the Mount Druitt Command there the great-great-great-grandson of Samuel Nelson Sr., who was shot dead by the bushranger John Dunn in the commission of his duty. And we thank both of them for their service to the people of New South Wales. After these messages from our sponsors, I'll be talking to undercover operatives working to make Sydney's transport network safe. Police Bank's award-winning unsecured personal loan offers competitive, variable and fixed-rate options all designed to be tailored to suit your needs and budget. From the latest in big-ticket electronics, white goods and household items to holidays, cars, boats and bikes, Police Bank will assist you to find the best applicable rate on your personal loan. This podcast is also proudly brought to you by Charles Sturt University, providing education for the New South Wales Police Force and law enforcement worldwide for over 30 years. Do you want to become a cop or further your policing career? We can help. Visit csu.edu.au forward slash policing to learn more. Welcome back to Inside the New South Wales Police Force. In a crowded suburban train, you'd be hard-pressed to spot the undercover officer. They blend in, the men and women of the Public Transport Command that keep our network safe. For the past six years, they've been running Operation Artemis, targeting sex offenders, drug suppliers and other antisocial offenders on the trains, helping commuters to have confidence in the security of the network. My name is James Jin, um, Senior Constable attached to Police Transport Command Parramatta. Um, I'm at the Proactive Crime Unit Northwest and I've been in the force for about 12 years. Having a good time? Yeah, enjoying it still. Because people say about the, the PTC, it's not the sort of command they want to get into. There's a sort of a, a prejudice against it a bit. How have you found working, you know, in this sort of forward-facing unit with the public? I think it's a very um, rewarding job as, as for PTC because we're not just standing at, pretend to be security guards at, major um, transport hub. It's also about interacting with public, being seen by the public, making sure that um, we are there and to protect them. At the same time, our unit is a proactive unit, including um, mid-level investigations, which relating to the crimes that occurs on our um, public transport. That's one of our roles. And uh, I believe our command is um, providing a lot of um, security to commuters every day. Because we're undercover, so we see a lot of, I'd say an, a normal commuter on the seeing a police officer in, in, in uniform, they'll act differently. And same for the um, potential offenders. 
their reaction will change and straight up you can pick it pick them out if you're in plain clothes and you, you'll see a lot more you'll see the way they react the the way they interact with other people and sometimes we've had some occasions where people just came up to us and asked um, if we wanted to buy drugs so um being plain clothes we see a lot more than um, in uniform I think you love this role <laughs> yeah I love it. What's been the best day so far that you've had on the trains? Um, best day. Our, our everyday duty is 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 a bit patrolling train stations, patrolling trains, buses, and ferries. Sometimes normal routine stop, transport a fence, and led us to exercising our um, search powers. And then we located a knuckle duster concealed in the person's underwear. And then f- furthermore, we found um, break and enter implements, stolen car keys, and um, from memory, I think it was, it was a bit of drugs too. All in this person's underwear. They must have been walking funny. <laughs> he um, he only had his dust, uh, knuckle dusted in his underwear and the rest of it were in um, his bag. And the potential for that offender to cause mayhem and, and uncertainty and fear... So to take that out is is a pretty satisfying thing. Yes, yes. And for example, if you're in uniform patrolling and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be seeing it because they'll pick you out from miles away and they'll turn around and then go to a different platform. But us being in plain clothes, they'll just jump through the barrier straight away. That gives us more ways to, to interact with them. James is of Chinese heritage. He looks like a student or an office worker. Oh, yeah, because, like, uh, you know, no offence, but if you nicked me, I'd be going like, ah, oh, you're not a copper, surely. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that your advantage? You're a bit low-key? and Yes, 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 because people don't think, um, they believe there's not a lot of ethnic police officers in plain clothes. Majority of them are in um, uniform and other units, and we, we get it a lot from um, commuters saying, oh, we don't believe you're cops. So we had to produce our identifications and everything and convince them we're, that we're police. So Artemis has got a very particular approach. Artemis is the great goddess of protecting young children, especially young girls and women, and women feel particularly unsafe on, on the networks. Yeah, yeah, because we're trying to give them the impression that no matter what we do, we're not only us, the station security, the monitoring facility are watching us 24-7 and there's always someone there if you do the wrong thing, um, you'll get caught. And it's not just the antisocial behaviour on the trains. The train lines, are, of course, are, are the drug supply networks, gangs get around using them and so on and so forth. What are you learning about the movement of, of particular individuals? You're probably building up some who's who in the zoo, the kind of people, like likely offenders. Is, is that the sort of thing going on? Yes, yes, because um, we've been in Parramatta area, Western uh, Sydney for, for some years, and then we sort of know... The, the background of the, the people that are causing these issues and um, the ethnic backgrounds and the way they dress as well, uh, we can pick them from miles away. And you're finding connections to other offences? What, and what style of things? Majority are drug-related offence, like drug supply and um, property offences. What it is, is our command is close to a shopping centre, a very big shopping centre, and um, a lot of them just 
offenders would go into those shopping centers and just pick out whatever they want and then in exchange for drugs and other illegal things. I think it was two, three years ago, there was um, a big brawl happened outside um, Parramatta Children's Court. It was gang re- youth gang related. And the fight, the, the confrontation started when um, one of the gang members was um, fatally stabbed at Parramatta train station. And then that's when the offenders went to court and then led to the uh, violent confrontation outside of the courthouse. After that, the, the incident carried out to Church Street and Argyle Street. That's uh, a very busy intersection. And there was about, I think, nine offenders um, commenced a second brawl and weapons were produced. Because of the seriousness of the incident, the, we had to um, step in and um, take carriage of this matter and we eventually um, arrested all nine offenders and charged them with violent offences. And from this incident, the, the region, our, our northwest region, created um, a strike force in Barra targeting those um, youth gangs, street gangs. You, you fired up Artemis again recently. What's the aim of that and what are the results you're seeing? Operation Artemis was initiated by Police Transport Command Parramatta in 2017. The operation is um, designed to target the, the sex offenders across our network. And sometimes we, we, we have issues identifying them. So we would like to have um, public involved as well to assist us, to help us to make our network a better place, a safer place. So that's what, why we um, wanted to have this operation and um, so far, we've made nine arrests and all offenders are, out, are now charged. We have obtained all CCTV footages, but sometimes they are on occasions that the, the cameras are old, poor quality. So it really needs someone that has seen this person or, or a friend of this, this offender to help us um, identify them. Sometimes with the quality, it's it's very hard for us to even identify the offence. That's right. So what advice would you give to public transport users? They see these individuals. No matter how minor this incident is, I'd encourage everyone to contact police. Obviously, if it's something very minor, say, for example, you've lost your wallet or you believe someone has taken your wallet but the offender's already gone, um, Obviously, contact um, your local police or contact Crime Stoppers or Police Assistance Line if you want to make a report. But if you're seeing anyone that's aggressive or intimidating people or causing fear, on every carriage, there's a there's an emergency button. You can always press that button and then the Sydney Train Security will contact triple um, zero straight away and assist. Um, there's, a, there's a set timetable for every train. So we know when this train is going to stop at the next station and if not us the local police will attend and help you guys so on on any given day yourself and your colleagues will get a call someone's been identified he's probably still on the train now what happens next so we'll get information for the run run number for that particular train and then we will be waiting for you at the next train stop majority of times they'll just deny 
the allegations and wants to see the proofs. Obviously, for us to um, take action against them and arrest them, we already had enough evidence to proceed. You can you can also obviously if 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 you're listening right now, um, seek legal legal advice before before talking to us. But that's up to you. It's but um, if we knock on your door, that means we have enough. And uh, the, moreover, I guess the best police operations they project this idea that we're everywhere. You won't see us, you won't hear us, but we're there. Do you think that has a deterrent effect? Yes, yes. We do give them the impression and we're not in uniform, so you don't know who we are. We might be standing next to you when you're committing an offence. And this really put fear into those people to rethink if they're about to commit those offences. Tell me, how, how does the public re- respond to this? Like, because people on trains tell me, like, in, they look at their phones and they're in fear, and they just, you know, they just suffer these train trips. When you when they see someone pulled off a train or off the off the platform, what's the kind of response you get from the members of the public? I'd be cheering myself, but I, you know, that's just me. Um, a lot of people get their phones out, start recording social media, Instagram. Next thing you know, it'll be oh, New South Wales Police did it again caught this person on my train, I witnessed it. So there's offenders out there, just watch out. So over the past 12 months, your proactive crime team in the Northwest has had stellar results. Just give us a feel for those. What have you got? So we were involved in 1,661 arrests and we are the principal informant. Uh, In other words, OIC of charges we've made 609 charges and um, 3,005 proactive interactions with the public. We've made 329 drug detections and issued 529 move-on directions um, and and also made um, 1,535 person searches in 2022. Just on drugs, are we talking there about personal consumption, the guy with a bag of pot in his pocket, or are we talking about people using the train line as a, as a supply line to move from place to place to sell drugs? Includes everything. So personal use and position and um, supplying drugs using our public network. I'll give you an example. I think two years ago that we, we did, um, we commenced a strike force lead him and we received information and there was a location next to the railway station, a major railway station, um, Western Sydney. And as a result of the strike force, we conducted two search runs and located large amount of um, cash, illegal cigarettes and cannabis. Right day. Mm, right next to the train station. And this is going on every single day of the yes, year? Yes, yes. We receive information and we work on it. When did you join the cops? Um 2011. Why? Something different. What were you doing? Um, I was in university back then and my parents were like, um, what do you want to do with your, with your life, with your career? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe join New South Wales Police? Because back in high school, I went to um, a local school in Parramatta and I always see police officers walking around. Like, They're so cool. I just want to be like them, eh? So that's why I like, oh, I should give it a go. And my parents were like, are you sure? You don't want doing office work, engineering, something like that? 
So I go, oh, well, if that's what you want, go for it. After 10 months, I graduated from academy and started at um, Ashfield Local Area Command. Because in your community, there's not a lot of people joining the cops, not just here, but around the country. Yep. How has that gone when you go back to your friend network and the people you grew up with in the same ethnic group? Um, how, do, how do they react? Oh, you've joined the police. Oh, you know what? Their first... I've met a couple of my um, son's parents and they're like, oh, what, what do you do for work? They were expecting me to be um, in an office, in, at a bank, something like that. But I told them I'm, I'm a police officer. They're like, wow, I've never seen an Asian Chinese background um, police officer. How is it? Every time when I go to my son's soccer match, they'll be like, oh, can you tell me about the, what, what happened last week? Any any major arrest? What do we do if something happens? And um, I, I am very proud of, proud of uh, myself as well for joining police. And then um, I would have a better understanding of people from my background if when I come across a victim that's from Chinese background, it, it'll be easier for me to communicate with them and know how they think and in terms of their concerns. What do mum and dad say now? They're, they're very proud of me now. And um, they're, very, they're very supportive because we work, we have to work with our um, six-week roster and then everyone just works around me. Like any celebration, occasions, they'll be like, are you available? If you're off that day, we'll do it. If not, we'll change to a different day. So I, I think um, family support is very, very important. You're here living the dream undercover? Yeah. yeah. Riding the trains? Yeah. What's it like being in one of those operations? Forget for the listeners who, who watch television and imagine what they what, if they were them, but what's it like when, when it's real? What we do is normally we, we'll have the, the uniform officers entering the, the, the train carriage, let's say at, at a train, train station. And if you see someone walking away straight away towards the opposite direction, that's where we'll, we will be just to flush them out. We, we've made nine arrests. And all those offenders were, were identified with the assistance of the, the public. And these are all, some of them are table one offences, not with involving young children. Being alone after school, in uniform, getting approached by an unknown person and causing fear. We have our own intelligence office unit and they analyse all crime data across our network, including the, the dates and the, the times and having higher chance of having these offences occur, that's when we get Alec tasked to patrol these um, transport hubs, hopefully to prevent and disrupt those crimes from happening in the first place. And at the moment, our Western line is quite safe, I would say, from our proactive taskings, that's uh, both effort from our proactive unit and um, uniform police as well from um, our command. I can tell that you take this very personally. These are your trains that they're mucking up on and you're there to make them accountable. Yes, yes. Um, this is our work. This is, this is our land. And if you intending of or thinking of doing something bad, think twice because we'll be at your door. 
That was Senior Constable James Ginn of the Police Transport Command on making the daily commute safe for all. If you have any information regarding offending on the transport network, please get in touch with Crime Stoppers on 1800 000. All calls are treated as confidential. Thanks for listening. Inside the New South Wales Police Force is a Real Crime Australia production in association with the New South Wales Police Force. The host producer is Adam Shand. Editing and imaging by Matt Dwyer. For New South Wales Police, Christian Schweitzer, Sergeant Emma Key, Senior Constable Ashley Bold and Anthony Bray and the New South Wales Police Force Band. To find out more about any of our products discussed on today's episode, search Police Bank inside New South Wales Police. Alternatively, speak to one of the Police Bank team on 131 728. This podcast is also proudly brought to you by Charles Sturt University, providing education for the New South Wales Police Force and law enforcement worldwide for over 30 years. Do you want to become a cop? or further your policing career, we can help. Visit csu.edu.au forward slash policing to learn more.